Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a, uh, a Monday after Bulldog win. Let's all kind of put aside our, uh, our differences. Let's take a deep breath. Let's say it together. Mississippi State won the football game on Saturday. Mississippi State won the football game on Saturday. I'm going to talk a lot about that game today. But one of the things that I don't think that um, you know, a lot of people fully appreciate, and I talked about this last night on the Facebook Live show, if you, if you missed the show or you've, you've never watched the show, you can go to the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page, and you can watch those videos. I do them live a couple days a week, but you can always go back and watch the replay. And uh, so I answer your questions and that sort of stuff. And, uh, and we talk a little music occasionally, but it's, it's 90% of it is Mississippi State stuff. And I just basically a chance for me to interact with you guys in live time. Uh, but one of the things that I, I mentioned on the show, and I think it's important that you guys fully appreciate this. We almost didn't play Saturday. We, we almost didn't play. Matter of fact, I was getting word on Friday that the SEC was going to have to make the call because Mississippi State and Vanderbilt both were dangerously close to the minimum threshold to play a ball game. That is 53 scholarship players. Now, some people have kind of took issue and said, hey, well, listen, Vanderbilt only had 58 players available, scholarship players. You know, how could we barely just beat them? Well, we had uh, 55. 55. That's right. Let that sink in for a second. If memory serves me correctly, the SEC dress list is 70. We had 55 players with which to go win an SEC football game. Among those 55 were seven scholarship offensive linemen. Seven. You may recall that uh, the starting lineup for the offensive line on Saturday was Greg Island at left tackle, a guy that uh, is a guard. He has played some tackle for us before, not his strong suit, got out there and played left tackle, did the best he could. Your left guard was LaQuinston Sharp. He's played a little bit there, so that was a little bit normal. Cole Smith was there at center, and you know, Cole got in there and fought for us. Right guard was Darian Parker. So right there, your interior line is pretty much what you have played with before at times. And then your right tackle was Brandon Cunningham, a guard, who was making his first college start. And it showed. And that's not to be negative about Brandon, but we throw that guy basically to the Wolves because we have to and put him out there at right tackle because we have to. And it was kind of up and down a little bit. And a kid's got a bright future with us. He's got to grow up a little bit, but this is a guy that's got a lot of talent. Got a lot of fire, a lot of personality. One things I like about that guy is he'll get out there and fight. Technically, he may not be incredibly sound, but he'll get out there and compete. Guy did the best he could. So that patchwork offensive line was charged with protecting a true freshman quarterback making his first college start. The only scholarship quarterback 
on the team that was available. KJ Costello, not on the sidelines. And uh, once again, you know, there are many people with uh, very strong opinions about that sort of thing, and they seem to forget. We just discussed this here at the Texas A&M ball game when Colin Hill didn't dress. And so, again, it is an SEC rule that if you are not a participant, if you are not available to participate in the game, you cannot be on the sidelines. So it's not about K.J. being a bad teammate. It's not about K.J. just not caring. K.J.'s not allowed to be on the sidelines if he's not in uniform. Okay? So let's stop with the madness. Let's stop with the hot takes. Let's stop with the Facebook social media commentary. There's a lot of people that post that are often in error but never in doubt. They believe what they're saying. It's not true, but they believe it when they post it. And then when they get corrected, then some of them are like, oh, well, that's cool. I didn't know. But there are others that get all defensive. Oh, why? This is what I heard. Well, what you heard's wrong. What you're hearing here today is factual and correct and well-sourced. You took 55 scholarship players. You went out there and you won an SEC football game you had to have. We hadn't won a ball game since September. We went 0 for October. And, by, and based on some of the commentary on social media, you thought we lost the ball game. We're going to break down the ball game today. But I want you guys to fully appreciate the fact that one of the probably final, final winnable games on our schedule almost didn't get played. And what complicates that even more is that Vanderbilt, Missouri, has already been moved to December 12th. So Vanderbilt had nowhere to move the game to. So there was a real chance if we didn't play, it would just be canceled. And then how much fun would that be? Then the social media commentaries, like, I don't understand. I don't understand. You know, we lose this ball game. We don't, we don't get a chance to go play. You know, the SEC is screwing us. Somehow John Cohen and Mark Keenum are at fault. We didn't get to play Vanderbilt. Why couldn't we have missed playing Alabama? You know, it's what it is. A lot of SEC teams have dealt with this, LSU, Florida, Missouri, Vanderbilt. I mean, it's been one of those things. But uh, we very easily could have gotten the ball game canceled. And here's the thing I think you need to kind of go ahead and appreciate now is all of those guys that missed – Saturday's game to COVID-related issues, they won't be available this week either. So you got 55 scholarship players. The threshold is 53. What happens if you get a couple more positive COVID tests this week? What happens if you have an injury this week? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You don't play the game. And so some of us, and uh, I, I say us because I'm being kind, but some of us have forgotten during the summer months you know, we were reading all the hot takes, all the woke brothers and, you know, the Corona bros telling you we're not going to play college football. We all thought, you know what, I don't care what happens. I just want to play. I just want to have some kind of a season. Well, we're having some kind of a season. It may not be the season we had hoped for, but we're playing football and we won a game on Saturday. And for those young men that went out there and fought their tails off to win us a football game, thank you. Thank you. If nobody else has said it, Please allow me. Thank you. With little to no depth behind you, you went out there and represented your university well. You did the best you possibly could. And I know some of our malcontent fans that should probably be in a transfer portal will sit here and disparage your efforts and make you feel like you didn't do anything. Well, I think you did because I understand the circumstances with which you had to play a ball game. So congratulations to you. And on behalf of a grateful Mississippi State fan base, thank you. Thank you very, very much. You should all go celebrate yourselves at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Very, very happy to partner with them. 
Matter of fact, I'll probably get some Bulldog Burger this week. Probably going to go back with the Jalapeno Poppers Burger. Probably going to go back and give that one another shot. I was pretty happy with it. You know, I, I like things a little bit different. And uh, I like the fact that uh, it's got a little kick to it. Now, if you are maybe, you know, so you Steve, listen, I'm not ready to maybe tackle the pimentology yet. I just kind of want a great restaurant quality hamburger. That's a bulldog. You can't go wrong with that. Get the bulldog. But if you want to get out there, maybe you've had the bulldog. And so, you know what, Steve, it was great. But I'm ready for something a little bit more. I'm ready for something a little bit more. Try the smokehouse. Try the Pimentology at Bacon. Try the Bryant. Try the Lauren. A lot of great burgers to choose from. You can't go wrong no matter what you choose. Bulldog Burger Company, two locations now to serve you on the University Drive right here in Starkville and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And if you're looking for a place to watch college football on weekends, look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. You can have an adult beverage there. You can have a family day. You can have whatever you want. It's a place where college football fans come together. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's break this ball game down. So no surprise to you guys if you've been paying attention. If, you've, uh, if you're a member of Gene's page or you've been listening to the Boneyard or both, and you should be doing both, you had a good idea that Will Rogers was going to start on uh, Saturday. I think it's important to understand, too, K.J. Costello's unavailability is not impacted by any COVID-related issues. Okay, that's important to understand that. We all we, we all saw him get banged up against Alabama. We all saw it. We all saw the video and how glassy-eyed he was. Hope the best for KJ. Hope he gets better. But I think even if he had been available on Saturday, Will Riders would have gotten the start. The smart move, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, we win the toss, and we are now 2-1 and one when we win the toss. The one time we lost was when we played Alabama. I don't, I don't think we probably could have taken 100 tosses that day. I just think the, the, the difference in the talent level is just so tremendous. We're just not quite ready to compete with them. Give it a couple of years. All right, so we defer, and then uh, we kick. And I tell you, we have, we've talked about him some on the show. Brandon Ruiz is a stud. You know, for all these years, everybody's like, well, man, why can't we just have a kicker to kick it out of the end zone? Well, and then, and then they move it back. You know what I'm saying? Then they move the kickoff point back to get more returns. And we're still, we still feel the same way as, man, can't we just get a guy to give us a touchback so we don't have to you know, make, make these tackles? Well, now we have one, and I think at times we kind of take that for granted. Brandon Ruiz, grad transfer from Arizona State, is an absolute stud. Does a great job doing what he does, and uh, very, very happy to have him around. And so that's opening kickoff. Brandon Ruiz does what Brandon Ruiz does, is he gets you a touchback. All right, so uh, they come out there you know, going to establish the run. You know, I think Vanderbilt's best hope in the game is to try to, you know, again, try to establish the running game, kind of shorten the game a little bit. They can't win a shootout. Uh, but Henry Brooks comes out right at the gate, goes for four and five and one. And on that third and one, we nearly had him. I mean, it really boiled down to the spot. And uh, you know, he earned the first down. But it was uh, it was obviously very, 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 very close. And uh, we're pretty tough on short yardage situations. And then on first and 10, they go back and do play action and lay it up there. And Colin Duncan releases from his man, undercuts the route, picks it off. And it was a huge play. And you're beginning to think, and right now for Mississippi State guys, especially when they run it back 28 yards to the Vanderbilt 27, you're thinking, okay, this is the best scenario possible. Our young quarterback's going to get plus field position. We've got a big turnover. We've got some juice. We've got advantage field position. 
this is a great situation for him. Rather than having to uh, to march the length of the field, he's got a chance to get a, get some points on the board early, thanks in large part to his defense. So there we are, set up, you know, basically just outside the red zone. Rodgers complete to Austin Williams, and I think that's probably scripted. Austin Williams, probably Mississippi State's most sure-handed receiver. You go to him, and it's six, and we're incomplete to Spivey there. And it kind of double-clutch a little bit. Will, Will Rogers and the ball sells a little bit high, and uh, it's incomplete. It's okay. We come back to Witherspoon, and uh, he's a guy that you know, didn't do a whole lot the first couple ball games, but after Jaquavius Marks got a little banged up against Alabama, showed that he's a gamer. Goes out there, and, and it's a pass because it's a toss forward. And we kind of ran that rank a little bit until Vandy took it away from us during the second half. But we ran that little toss play, and because it is a forward pass, it's a forward toss, it counts as a pass. And so if we mishandle it, it's not a fumble. I don't know if you're aware of that, but you should be. But we go to Witherspoon there. We get six. It's a first down uh, in the red zone there. Then we're complete to Malik Heath for nine. I did speak with Mike Leach in the post game, and there was a concerted effort to get Malik Heath more involved. Malik Heath might be Mississippi State's most physically imposing receiver. Uh, he's a guy that can get yards after the catch, and uh, Mississippi State, one of the nation's best in yards after the catch. But I like the energy that Malik Heath had on the field. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, he, he's not, you know, a national elite receiver, but I think that he's a guy that'll have a big career here at Mississippi State. So it gets us nine. Now we're inside the tenth of first and goal situation. And then a beautiful, beautiful pass from Will Rogers to Osiris Mitchell. Perfect toss, perfect location, perfect ball placement. The only person that's going to catch that is Osiris. It's a touchdown. We're all feeling good about life, thinking, okay, all right, that'll get us going. And it did for a certain while. You know, it really kind of got us going. And then Brandon Ruiz, again, the stud, gets another touchback. Vanderbilt comes back out, puts together a nice little drive here. Uh, you know, Wakefield runs for seven and Brooks for two. No gain. And it's, a, it's fourth and one. They go for it. Remember I talked about how we're good on short yardage. At third and one, we held them to no gain. They elect to go for it. They get the first down. Uh, then they're complete to 10 for Cam Johnson for 10. Griffin rushes for three. Seals complete to Johnson. I, th- I think that Seals is going to have a future at Vanderbilt. I really do. I, I really like his skill there. And then, uh, you know, we, we make a good – Tackle out there on second and seven. Going to force a third and five. There's a face match penalty on Colin Duncan. And yeah, he, he got him. He, he did. It's unfortunate, but he did. Gives him a first and 10 at 35. And this is when State really got tough. Uh, Griffin goes for two. Griffin goes for one, third and seven, incomplete. So they attempt a field goal, and they miss it, hit the up, upright. And you kind of felt like, okay, this is our day. All right, we got some good things going. We're playing good defense. We've already got an early score. And uh, they drive down and miss a field goal. Maybe it's our day. And, again, it's like people say, well, Steve, we're bragging about beating Vanderbilt. Man, I'm bragging about beating anybody at this point. If we're going to line up and beat the Mississippi School of Math and Science, I'll be up there talking trash in the whole ballgame. We needed a win. didn't matter who the opponent was. But here's the better part of this deal. We take over at the 32. We go right back to Heath for eight. Then we do that little toss play again for five. Then we're complete to Dylan Johnson for seven, another true freshman there. Complete to Heath for 11. And again, I like the whole feed Heath strategy. Complete to Marks for six. Complete to Mitchell for six more on a first down. We go back to Austin Williams. We're already in the red zone now. Incomplete to Mitchell. Uh, and really thought he had it. I mean, I mean, we're, we're talking an inch away from getting that thing in. I mean, an inch away. That was that, that pass on the far side. Osiris just couldn't get the foot down in bounds. They were complete to Marks for four, and it's a first down. We go right back to Malik Heath for nine. And listen, if we're going to get seven, eight, nine yards, throwing the ball to Malik Heath on first down, let's just keep doing that, right? 
Then Dylan Johnson runs off right side, four yards for the touchdown, and thought he really showed a nice burst once he put his foot in the ground and got north and south. I like these young running backs. I think Witherspoon had some, uh, an interesting element to it as well. But Jaquavius Marks, Dylan Johnson, I, I like that young nucleus of players. It's 14 nothing, and right now every one of you thought, you know what, we should have been starting for Rodgers all along, right? That, that's how it felt. You know, on, on that drive, if you go back and look, I mean, you know, he was authoritative, decisive with the football, showed good arm strength, uh, got it out there. And the entire drive, you got one incompletion. One incompletion on the drive. And that was one where a ball went just a little bit too high. It was still got out on target. It just sailed a little bit high. Got out on time. And so, again, you've got a true freshman there that's up seven. And then he goes, in the very second drive, a chance to get some separation. And goes right down the field. Let's count them up here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight completions. Then he's incomplete to Osiris. And then complete to Marks and complete to Heath. You see what I'm talking about? One incompletion. And that's an inch away. It's a game of inches, but, you know, goodness. All right. Then, and then, then, then we get the five-guard penalty on the, uh, the offsides on the kickoff. And then they back him up to the 30. And you know what Brandon Weiss does? He gets you a touchback. He gets you a touchback. Vanderbilt gets the ball to close out the first quarter. Uh, complete to Pierce for 21. I like Chris Pierce, a good ball player. Uh, Griffin for three and then no gain. And then complete to Pierce again on, on uh, third and seven for five. And that closes out the quarter. And so it's 14 nothing, but it really felt worse than that. I mean, you know, yeah, Vanderbilt was moving the ball just a little bit. But it, it kind of felt like it was our day. And then we start the second quarter, and they're complete to Brooks for one, but we blow it up on the fourth and two play. So it's a turnover on downs. We're going to be plus field percentage again. We're right there at midfield at the 45. And so good start. Good start by the defense. Good start by Will Rogers. And it felt a good start by special teams. And it just kind of felt like, okay, we're fixing to run these guys out of the stadium. And so third drive in a row. We put together a scoring drive. The first three drives of Will Rogers' first career start, and we put points on the board. You couldn't ask for anything more. And what do we do again? We come back and we try to go to Heath, and it was an errant throw there. They were incomplete to Marks, and it's third and ten. You're thinking, okay, goodness, what are we going to do here? Well, pass complete to Malik Heath for eight. He fought and fought and fought, couldn't quite get there. Fourth and two, we're going to go for it. What do they do? They jump off sides. And, that, and again, that's just that's just savvy play, even by a young quarterback. We go right back. We're complete to Jaden Wiley again for 14 yards, and he's becoming a star. He is a rising star under Bulldog ranks. Complete to Wiley again for five on first down, makes it second. Five, we go Marks for four, rings up a third and one. We go right back to Mr. Dependable, Austin Williams, for the first down, and we're to Vandy 15. And this is where things kind of bog down a little bit. That's always kind of been the case with uh, – you know, the air raid. It's when they when you when things get a little compacted, sometimes you, you gotta be a little more creative. We run the ball with Marks for four to the eleven, and we're complete to Austin Williams for five down to the Vandy six. It's third and one. And again, we're we're thinking, okay, we just gotta convert here. So what do we do? We run the football and uh, we don't get it. And so you can always second guess the play call, but in that situation, and we talk about it so many times, you know, third and one is running football. Third and one is running football. Third and one is running football. We do. We don't make it. That's not to say that we shouldn't run the ball in third and one, but, you know, to answer some of these people that say we don't run it enough, we tried right there and uh, didn't quite get there, had a loss of a yard, or we kicked the field goal. Brandon Ruiz 
makes it at 17 nothing, and then he follows that up with another touchback. That guy's a difference maker, man. So at 17 nothing, and we're thinking, you know what? We can do no wrong. We got it in the bag. Didn't quite work out that way. Vanderbilt comes right back, puts a little bit of a drive together, but uh, we, we played pretty strong, and, and uh, you know we, we didn't allow any points here. But uh, I thought they had some success running the football, mainly in the second half. But uh, I thought Henry Brooks did a really good job for them. And then they go to him on a pass play for five. They come back to him on a running play for four, third and one. And he gets it again. One yard run, though, again, really close. Ball down to the spot. They get it. Thought he made it. Incomplete to Pierce. And there's a P.L. Martin Emerson. I thought it was a bad call. And uh, I said that then. I know some people disagree with me. Pierce and Emerson were both hand fighting. Both. And the two officials closest to the play did not flag it. The guy 20 yards behind the play did. The guy that had the worst vantage point flagged it. I thought it was a bad call. I think that's a good situation for a no call because both guys are kind of hand fighting a little bit. I went back and watched the replay. My opinion has not changed. But they get to 15 yards and they're out to the 50. And then uh, Seals runs for three. And uh, there's targeting on Sean Preston. And it's kind of a tough luck call. It was the right call. But, man, I hate it for Sean Preston because I really thought that uh, he made a difference in the run game. I thought in run defense, because he is such a vicious hitter, uh, that uh, he's a guy that can fit gaps. He's a guy that kind of diagnoses plays well. I'm glad to see him getting more time. But Seals gets flushed here, and Preston is already engaged and lowering his hips, getting ready to strike. And then Seals kind of gets caught between giving himself up, going for that slide. And, uh, And Preston did hit him helmet to helmet. And uh, I thought it was an easy call, but it's kind of a tough luck call. I don't think there was anything malicious on Sean Preston's behalf. I mean, listen, when you get the quarterback out there in open field and you get a chance to lay a lick on him, you do that. But, uh, Sean, again, I don't think there was any ill intent in the hit there. And because that happened in the first half, in the event Mississippi State plays this weekend, uh, Sean will be available. So he will not have to not have to sit the first half of the game. Had that occurred in the second half, he would have had to sit, but he was disqualified for the remainder of the game. I did think that made a difference in the second half, to be honest with you. I really think it made a difference not having Preston out there. And, you know, listen, we're down a handful of safeties as it is, and so then you lose a guy like him, and you're really kind of getting deep into the depth chart. But um, be that as it may, he's out of the ball game now. It's 15 yards to the Mississippi State 32. Uh, and then incomplete to Bostic, and then Brooks runs for one, and then uh, complete – Incomplete again, so now it's fourth to nine, and then they get a delay of the game penalty, end up having a punt. And so even though we kind of aided them in their drive, we gave them 30 yards and penalties. One of those was very questionable. That's the P.I. on Emerson. But despite the fact that we had you know, some infractions, we still kept them out of the end zone. Once the things got a little tight down there, we kind of locked it up there. And, and really, I think, I guess after the, uh, you know, after the targeting penalty, they gained one yard. That's it. Defense got stiff. They ended up punting. Kind of an interesting situation to punt right there, but they did. And I guess considering that we had scored three consecutive drives, you may be thinking, okay, let's pin them back. Let's don't give them a good field position again. And this is the first time I thought things, you know, kind of bogged up for us. But, um, you know, we're completely spivey for a loss of one. He had to go down to his knees to catch that. It's kind of the rule in college. You know, unless unless it's a forward pass, if you got to go to your knees to catch it, you don't catch it. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. If you got to go down to your knees to catch it, just knock the ball down. But we do right there. 
And uh, then we're back to Wiley for eight, makes makes a third and manageable third and three, and uh, we just miss Malik Keith. When we go we go at him, and I think that that's probably the right guy here. Austin Williams probably the right guys to go to. We just missed him. And then Reed Bowman punts. Tucker Day still a little bit banged up. Reed Bowman punts for thirty eight. Fair catch by Cam Johnson. And so now all of a sudden, Bandy has it right around midfield to start a drive for the first time. They've got great field position. They come back. They're complete to Henry Brooks for thirty yards. Rolling. Complete again to Cam Johnson for a yard and then complete to Henry Brooks a yard for 20 more. Down it's first and goal at the one. I think we're all thinking, okay, they're going to go ahead and cash in right now. They don't. And this, again, is a testament to your defense and to Zach Arnett is that despite the fact that it's first and goal, they don't quit. So first and goal, Griffin gets nothing. Aaron Brule and Marcus Murphy with a huge stick there. Aaron Brule is a terror off the edge. When they walk him up to the line of scrimmage, even on third and short, he crashes down the line of scrimmage. And if you don't, if you don't have an immediate opening to kind of you know to navigate through there, he's going to hit you for no gain or loss. They go right back to Griffin again, and it's a loss of two yards. And Brule and Emerson both just absolutely crush him. So now it's third and goal, and uh, you, you kind of got a feeling, okay, maybe we can hold for a field goal, and then Seals throws it up, and uh, Errol Thompson picks it off. We preserve the shutout, 17 nothing, and again, it feels like, you know what, this is our day. This is our day. We've had some good things go our way, and even when we have uh, shot ourselves in the foot, we hadn't had to pay for it, and there we are. We're going to bail ourselves out with a turnover in the end zone. Now we got a chance with a minute 55 to go down and try to get something. And because of the fact we get the ball first in the second half, you're thinking any points right here feel like 100. So we're complete the marks for four. We'll go back to Mitchell for four and uh, get a timeout there, third and two. And we run the football in third and two. Somebody called the paper. We ran the football in third and two. We get to three yards. Marks does. Runs hard. And that's one of the things about Marks I love. That kid runs hard. He really runs. He doesn't dance around a lot. He puts his foot in the ground and gets upfield. Gets the three yards for a first down out of the 31. They were incomplete, though, Cyrus Mitchell. Um, and, again, an absolute dime there. We just you know, we just can't get the, get the foot down. Uh, and then Rodgers is sacked for a loss of 10. And you feel like, you know, we're in trouble here. And, listen, I give Vandy for a good call up there. This is when I really thought the offensive line was kind of beginning to bog down just a little bit, a little fatigued there with no depth. Then we're complete to Osiris for 16, and he he breaks it out there. And uh, even in, in, in real time, you knew he was short of the mark. Uh, they ended up reviewing the play and backing him up a couple yards. But uh, at the very least, uh, you know, we get the ball in good punting position or we can pin him back deep. And Reed Bowman, one of his better punts of the season, 48 yards uh, to the 15. Uh, Cam Johnson returns it for two. And so Vanderbilt gets the ball with under a minute to go with really not any threat to score at that point. they uh, We, we kind of go into prevent coverage there, and then they run for 16 incomplete, and then run for nine, and then on a draw play, and that, that runs the clock out. And so it's 17 nothing at the half, and we're all thinking, you know what, we're, we're kind of doing what we want to offensively. We're not, it's, no, we're not explosive, but we're, be, we're being efficient. We're moving the chains. We're not having a lot of uh, three and outs. But that would certainly change there in the second half. And, again, I think a lot of that had to do with wear and tear on the offensive line and the fact we had trouble getting off the uh, getting off the field on defense. So we get the ball coming out of the half, and you feel like, okay, any again, any score here feels like a knockout punch. Yeah, so we come out, we get going here, start a second half, and, uh, again, it's a touchback. And then we go back to Wiley for eight. 
And then we find Malik Heath for 17. And you hear his name a lot because we're committed to him. You know, he gets out there. We, we, we've kind of been underutilizing him a little bit. And, and Leach said it in postgame. But, you know, a lot of it's in practice. About two weeks now, he's kind of turned it on. So now you're thinking, okay, we've come out there with a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of big completions. And not only are we at the 50 uh, due to, to Malik Heath's good run there, but uh, targeting. They uh, disqualified the, the Vandy safety, and it was targeting. And uh, Malik jumps right up. But the next thing you know, despite the fact that we're already in plus field position, we're already at the 35, we're about to put this game away. We start having some uh, self-inflicted wounds. And, again, this is that young, inexperienced offensive line that we were forced to play kind of making some of the errors. And, again, it's just inexperience. It's not one of those things you look at and say, okay, well, these guys don't have a bright future in front of them. They do. But uh, some of them are being kind of forced to play before they're ready. And that's just kind of the, the COVID world we're living in now. Cunningham gets the false start, backs us up five. And then the next thing you know, we're complete despite for no gain. But we lose 15 because it's back-to-back penalties on Brandon Cunningham, who's charged with a face mask penalty, ripped the guy's helmet off. So now we go from first and 10 at the Vandy 35 to first and 30 at the Mississippi State 45. Then we're incomplete to Spivey, we're complete to Heath for six, incomplete to Wally, then we're punting. So again, a promising drive. Again, we're at their 35, good chance to at least get a field goal. And then we have some self-inflicted wounds. This drive had nothing to do with Vandy. This had to do with Mississippi State and our own lack of execution and at times discipline. It's going to happen, especially when you're playing younger guys. So Vanderbilt takes over at their own nine-yard line. Um... So, and then they get a false start, makes it half the distance of the goal. Griffin runs for three, then they're complete to Pierce for 19. Go right back to Cam Johnson for 14, incomplete to Abdul Raham, Rahman, and then uh, incomplete to Cam Johnson, and then incomplete again, but it's a P.I. I don't remember watching this one, but uh, it seems like in lifetime that it was a P.I. But, uh, again, that's a self-inflicted penalty. You know, and, and again, sometimes a lot of those are, are made out of aggression and, and enthusiasm. But uh, again, that's not Vanderbilt moving the football in that particular situation. That's a big third down possession play. We have a chance to get off the field and we make a mistake. Then they're incomplete. And the next thing you know, we make a play. Defense again, we get some self-inflicted wounds on defense, but the defense is talented enough and aggressive enough to build themselves out. So Seals is complete to Abdul Rahman for six, and then he gets absolutely crushed by Tyrus Weed. I mean, like, I'm talking old school, wrestle your brother on the couch, pick him up, and junkyard dog him to the ground, crushed. And it's recovered by Sias Furge. Hadn't said his name in a long time because Emmanuel Forbes is playing well. But Tyrus Weed had a huge day for us, forced a couple turnovers. But that one there, when you go back and you want to see, you want to see how you're supposed to form tackle somebody, go watch Ty Wheat right there. Absolutely crushed him, hit him with bad intentions, forces a turnover. And again, defense gets off the field. We start at the state 44. So again, you know, we're ready to go. We've got good field position here. And then we get on first down, we give up a sack of seven yards. So right out of the gate, we're behind, we're behind the chains. I don't know if Will Rogers missed something. I don't know if we missed a, uh, an assignment there on the line. 
But the bottom line was they got through there and uh, they sacked us. And it's it was clear in the second half. And it's like I, I read these comments. Well, Steve, I don't understand how we're not able to block three. Well, in the second half of this ball game, they weren't sending three. They were sending four and five. And they were getting there. And this is one of those instances where they, they, they got some pressure on. So when you've got guys out there that aren't used to playing together, don't have continuity or cohesiveness, um, you're going to have breakdowns. So in second 17, we go to Malik Heath for eight, and then Rodgers again sacked for ten. Offside penalty kind of resets things, makes it uh, third nine. And then uh, we'll complete the marks for two, had to check it down, just couldn't get out there and do anything. And then Reed Bowman, a 45-yard punt. But a big return by Cam Johnson gets it out to the Vanderbilt 29. Cam, I mean, Reed did his job. We just didn't cover the punt there. This is when things started to get a little bit dicey here. And, uh, you know, I've got some guys in a group text, and they're like, okay, Vanderbilt's going to make it closer in the second half. We're midway through the third quarter, and again, it's a shutout. But Vanderbilt has kind of found some things there. Uh, they're complete to Abdul Rahman for 28 yards to the state 43. They come back to Johnson for 14, and then they fumble again. We force another fumble, but they're able to get on it. Again, when this Mississippi State secondary hits you, there's a good chance they're going to separate you from the football. That's their intention. They go back to Henry Brooks for uh, for 12, complete to Brooks for a loss of four, and I really thought we had a chance to get off the field there. Landon Gidry with a really nice play there. Landon Gidry, we'll talk about him a little bit later, really showed up in the stat column in the ballgame. And, again, this is a guy, too, that was kind of forced into action because Sean Preston uh, was out. And so, beginning, you begin to think about this Bulldog secondary. We talked about it all summer. These guys have actually played really well. They have actually played really, really well. So, uh, then they come back to Cam Johnson for 11, and uh, they're inside the red zone. Brooks rushes for two, complete to Johnson for 16, makes it uh, first and goal and then complete to Chris Pierce for touchdown. Really thought it was a great throw and catch. Got to give uh, Seals and Pierce both a tip of the cap there. Really thought that was a nice play there. And so now it's a 17-7 ball game, and it kind of felt like we were okay, but it felt like, you know, we have kind of let them hang around a little bit. We'd kind of let them hang around. And this is when I thought Vandy defensively really kind of cranked things up. They did the last drive too, got a couple sacks, but it seemed like, they knew they had a young quarterback back there. Derek Mason's like, you know what? Well, I'm not going to let this kid sit back there and survey the field and just kind of pitch it around. We're going to go make him, put him in a decision-making process much earlier. And they did, and it worked. Uh, Rodgers uh, incomplete to Wally, and we're back to Wally for eight, which sets up a third and two. And then we uh, check it down to Marks, who gets no gain. That's one of the only times on third and short that we didn't run the football. Maybe we should have, maybe we shouldn't have, but it's one of those things, too, you know, after you go back and talk to the linemen uh, at halftime, you kind of have an idea of how they're feeling and how they're performing. Go back and look at some cut-ups. Maybe you decide, you know what, we can't run off this side because this guy's getting his launch aid. I, I don't know. We make the adjustments as we move forward. Vanderbilt then gets the ball with two minutes and 39 seconds to go in the third quarter, complete to Brooks for four, come back to Cam Johnson, who had a good day for Vanderbilt for 11. Uh, Brooks again rushes for nine, second and one. They go back to Griffin for three. He gets a first down, goes back to Griffin for three more. Um, Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, 
putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Thirds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. On first and 10, it brings up a second and seven. They go to Brooks for one. And then we're in the fourth quarter. You think, okay, we're in the first quarter, up two scores. We're going to win a football game. We're going to find a way to win a football game. That's how it felt to me. But I admit, I was hopeful that the uh, Bulldog offense would be able to find another way to put another score on the board just to kind of remove all doubt. So it's third and six to open the quarter. Brooks runs for nine, and Brooks goes for nine again. Landon Goodry makes a tackle there. And again, you know, Landon Goodry and Sean Preston both played well. I just think Sean Preston is probably a little more instinctive when it comes to run protection, run defense, because you notice these gains got a little bit longer in the second half. Uh, Griffin rushes for one yard, and it's a first down. And then they're incomplete to Pierce, complete to Henry Brooks for eight. And then Brooks runs for 27 and a touchdown. And uh, we get caught in a blitz right there. We're coming off the edge there. And they gash us underneath with no safety help there. And Brooks basically walks in. They just kind of guess right there. But the bottom line is it's a 17-14 ball game now. And now all of a sudden, we're not feeling quite so confident. Because we haven't been able to do much offensively in the second half. Pass protection is kind of breaking down a little bit for us. And then here they come again. We get the ball out there at the 25, and then Rodgers the sack for a loss of 14. So right out of the gate at second and 24. And again, this is this young, inexperienced offensive line. Not very experienced, uh, you know, handling these, these blitz pickups. 
Then Wolves complete to, to Waston Williams for one, then incomplete to Dylan Johnson. And I think everybody in the stadium at that point thought, oh, my gosh, we're about to punt from our 12, and uh, they're going to get it somewhere around the 50, and then they're going to have a chance to come right in and score and at least tie the ball game. That's how we all felt. Because at this point, Vandy had all the juice. They had all the momentum. And Reed Bowman steps up and has a huge moment. And I, and I think this was kind of undervalued in the moment. But Reed Bowman punts it over Cam Johnson's head and is a 63-yard punt, flips the field. Vandy has it down at their own 25. Reed, thank you. Job well done. Vanderbilt takes over there. They go to Griffin for seven, and they're complete to Harrison for no gain. Uh, and then uh, to Pierce for 13, and they're out to the 45. And I think at this point we're all kind of, okay, oh, here we go. Here we go. Brooks for a loss of one. And then Vandy calls timeout. I thought this was an interesting timeout. I thought it actually gave us a chance to settle a little bit. I thought we were reeling just a little bit. But they call timeout there. They, they set up a play. And they're complete to Cam Johnson for 29, and uh, he's out at the state 27. And I think we're all thinking, well, at worst, we're going to get out of this drive. At best, we're going to be tied. But the way they're moving the football, we might be in trouble. And then they run for a loss of one, and then another huge play in the ballgame. Marquis Spencer picks it off at the state 30 and returns to 27 yards. I'm glad he didn't let the quarterback get him. He would never have lived that down in the film review. Uh, but Marquis Spencer, who was uh, your SEC defensive lineman of the week, how cool is that, had a huge ball game and is having a huge year. Is having a, hu- a money-making year. Simple as that. Big game for him. And so at that point, you're thinking, okay, we got to get something here to give us a little cushion. Then we're complete. We'll go back to Heath on first down. And, I'm again, I'm all about that for three. Then we're complete to Lee Witherspoon for no gain. And there's a holding call on Brandon Cunningham. Ten yards to the 50. Again, that, that's on us. That's not Vandy stopping us. That's us stopping us. Then we're incomplete to Malik Heath. Brings up a third and 17. We check it down to Mark for two. We got a punt again. And Reed Bowman punts. 40 yards down to the Vandy eight. And again, it felt like an opportunity for us to get some points. But again, a self-inflicted issue there. We take ourselves out of good field position with our own mistake. And I'm not picking on Brandon Cunningham. Again, he's going to have a big career at State. But he had his moments on Saturday, up and down. He had some you know, some moments that, uh, that I'm sure he'd like to have back. But he will be better for them moving forward. So, again, the Bulldog defense steps up. Brooks goes for five. Then they're incomplete to Brooks. In, and incomplete to Brooks for seven. Gives him a first down out to the Vandy 20. Incomplete to Abdul Rahman, and then Griffin rushes for a loss of five. So it brings up a third and 15, and we're thinking, okay, it's an obvious passing down. Let's go get them. And uh, the Bulldog pass rush just really overwhelmed the Vanderbilt offensive line there. Ty Wheat with the sack. Uh, pardon me. Ty Wheat strips it out, the strip and the fumble recovery. And a uh, huge day for Ty Wheat. Huge, huge day for him. And so now all of a sudden Mississippi State has it right there on the doorstep. Uh, at the 13, they reviewed the play, a waste of everybody's time, and then complete to Austin Williams for nine. And again, Mr. Dependable there, it's down to the Vandy four. Marks rushes for two, and here we are again. We're down close, and guess what? We're running the football. Uh, Marks rushes for two, and then Marks rushes again for one, and we go back to him for the touchdown. 
So we get in close, three consecutive running plays, all to Jaquavius Marks, and uh, he gets us into the end zone. A lot of people look at those. They don't. I guess some people, some fans don't understand that uh, when the quarterback is sacked, it affects your rushing total. Because it, there's some big moments here where we rush the football. We don't get credit for it, but we do. And then uh, Malik Heath kind of gets into it with the Vandy DB even before the play. There's a lot of pointing and, and uh, pleasantries being exchanged. They're both flag. It's offsetting. It's always fun. Uh, and then Brandon Ruiz gets you another touchback. So now all of a sudden it's a 24-14 to ball game with uh, two minutes and 43 seconds to go. And you're thinking, okay, we're going to win this thing. Let's just get out of here. And then they're complete to Brooks for five, incomplete to Johnson, and then complete to Brooks for 14. Now they're moving again. It's a third and eight. I forgot they had the face mask penalty backed them up a little bit. But um, it's third and eight. We got a chance to get off the field. We don't. They're back to Pierce for uh, 16. Incomplete to Pierce, complete to Johnson for six. They started working the sidelines a little bit here to get it out to Brooks for 11. And uh, ended up kicking a field goal here to make it a one-score game. And the next thing you know, they try the onside kick. We recover it. And um, the ball game's over. And uh, it was, uh, as they say, an ugly win. Uh, I don't know what that means. And ugly wins. Uh, I, that doesn't register with me because we've had a lot of pretty losses over the year. We go out there and play exceptionally well and lose a ball game. Uh, but I think all things considered, when you look at the fact that we had a freshman quarterback playing against uh, you know an SEC opponent behind a patchwork line of guys that uh, basically had about three practices together as a unit. And if you know anything about offensive line play, there's not any, there's not a unit out there that requires more teamwork and more chemistry building than anything else so you win the ball game and uh, I'm excited about the fact that we won the ball game we're going to kind of move forward uh, and hopefully go win some more let's talk some uh, music here before we get out of here gonna be a little bit longer show today got a few things to to address with you guys Uh, my bookie is uh, here to help your season be a winning season it's been a weird year we had late fall college football we had the NBA bubble of all things the UFC fight island pretty cool it's clear 2020 has been a year unlike any other, which is why you need a sports book, sports book with offers unlike any other. Get some skin in the game with my bookie where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there really is no better time to feast on some NFL action. Pittsburgh Steelers, the best team in, in NFL, now and always. When you're a first-time customer, I've been playing with my bookie for years. There's no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests they offer every single week. Sign up and get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to the all-classic table slot and card games you'd expect to find at your local casino. And the best part is, my bookie, the doors never close. So you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at my bookie. And when you do, use promo code BONEYARD. To get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. Terms are simple. You put in two hundred bucks, they'll match you with another hundred bucks in your account. If you're already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come and join on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. So today's top ten list brought to you by Stephen Holder Jr., who contacted me on Twitter and said, "Hey Steve, have you done the Red Hot Chili Peppers?" And no, Stephen, I have not. So let's go ahead and knock that out today. Got a lot to talk about. But we'll, we'll move the list along quick, so we've got to get to some more stuff. So at one point in my life, I, I spent about 40 bucks. Maybe it wasn't quite that much, but it was inexpensive. I got a, a full 
six by three poster, I guess, of the Mother's Milk album cover from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But it wasn't just on regular poster paper. I mean, it was like textured paper. It was an expensive poster. And I had that and then uh, lost it in uh, when, when, I, when I went to rehab. It didn't make its move back to my mom's house. I, I guess uh, whoever moved my stuff either kept it or trashed it. But I still wish I had that thing today. Man, that thing was a work of art. So here are the honorable mentions for the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. It didn't make the list. Uh, the Zephyr song is a really cool track. I could have lied. That, that's one that probably should have been a single. True Men Don't Kill Coyotes. That goes back to the uh, the Chili Peppers punk days. Higher Ground is a great cover, but it didn't make the list because it is a cover. Aeroplane, that's the one song off the uh, the One Hot Minute album with Dave Navarro. It just didn't work for me. I, th you know, I love Dave Navarro. I love his work with James Addiction. And I was so excited about this album when I first heard that uh, that he was joining the band. But uh, you don't know to me, John Frusciante. That's when I think of the Chili Peppers. I, I think that's kind of the fuel that makes it work. I think that he's he is as integral a part of this as Chad and Flea and Anthony are. I mean, I, I think that's what works for this group. And then this one was really close to making it, but it's Scar Tissue. And a lot of people love that song. Matter of fact, I have the Anthony Kiedis biography here, Scar Tissue. I just haven't read it yet. Trying to get caught up on things. Maybe over the holidays, I'll, uh, I got a couple more books I got to knock out, but that's one of them. So here's my top 10. I'm going number 10 is The Other Side. Other Side's a really cool track. Uh, I like the change in tempo throughout the song. Uh, number nine, going back to Blood, Sugar, Sex, and Magic. It's the song Suck My Kiss. Because give to me sweet, sacred bliss. Your mouth was made to suck my kiss. <laughs> poetry. Absolute poetry. Uh, number eight, uh, a cool video, too. If you, so if you're looking for some, you know, if you're young and haven't seen these videos, uh, the Breaking the Girl video is legit. Uh, I love the song. I love the video. I think this is an underappreciated song on the Chili Peppers' greatest album, that is Blood Sugar, Sex, and Magic. Number seven, uh, Californication. Love Californication. I think it's uh, it, you know, it's one of those deals, too. They, they, they're from California, so they write a lot about California. But uh, great vocals, great tune, great bass line, as always. Flea, probably an underappreciated bass player by the casual music fan. Uh, number six for me is Snow, Hey O. Oh. I'm sure you've heard that on the radio. Number five, and it, sometimes I probably would talk myself into this being one of my favorite ones, but it's, uh, by the way, from the Chili Peppers. I think it's probably an underappreciated song by uh, many, many people. But by the way, to me, when I think about the Chili Peppers, it isn't the, the, the up-tempo stuff that really gets to me, but this is one of the ones that, uh, that I think is, is, has a lot of range within the song. Number four, Danny California, and they mentioned the state of Mississippi in there. Somebody asked me recently if I could do a top 10 songs that mention Mississippi. And I'll probably put that together, but that requires a little research. But this will be one of them. But it's Danny California. Number three for me, and uh, I know you guys, some of you would have this number one. Again, it's a cool video. Won a lot of awards when the MTV actually played music, but uh, it's Give It Away. And uh, Give It Away is probably a standard Red Hot Chili Peppers classic. I think everybody at some point has heard Give It Away, that great funk bass line. It's just a cool track, and it's basically Anthony rapping. Number two, I, there have been other times that I thought this is my favorite Chili Pepper song too, but um, but it's Soul to Squeeze. Love this song. Love the message that it sends. That's the thing I think is Anthony Kiedis 
and has kind of moved forward as an artist and a songwriter. The songwriting has gotten that much better. I think as he's healed, as a guy in recovery, I think that he has found another reservoir of emotion to kind of pull from. And uh, I think this is the byproduct of that. But number one is Under the Bridge. And uh, it's about when uh, Anthony Kiedis was a heroin addict. And uh, that whole album, that it's what's so great, is the Red Hot Chili Peppers were kind of a novelty act for many years. And when Blood, Sugar, Sex, and Magic hit, and that's when Anthony was really getting serious about recovery, it was incredible how much more he grew as an artist once he got his life together. And uh, so that, I think that is a, a, a nice message for everybody, is that uh, if you put those bad habits behind you, you, you can discover uh, some great things uh, in your life and uh, find some new pursuits. Because one of the things when I got sober, one of the things that I wondered is, you know, I was always a writer back then too, even though I wasn't published. But um, is, am I, I going to be able to dip into that creativity without, without narcotics? Am I, you know, I going to be able to find that? And uh, I wondered if I would ever have any fun again. That's how I, because like I didn't, I couldn't have fun without alcohol or drugs. I mean, that's kind of how I equated, you know, whenever we went out and did something, if I ever left the house and I didn't have to work, I needed substances to, to make me kind of feel better about myself. And, and I, I, anytime that I went out, you know, doing alcohol and drugs was kind of extra fun. And so then all of a sudden you take that away and I began to wonder, am I ever going to have fun again? Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is I'm having more fun today than I have ever had. And I am completely clean and sober. And if I make it to next month, it'll be 29 years. There's a good chance that I will. But uh, it's just it's amazing what you tell yourself when you're in the depths of all that. And so if your person's struggling with that today, let me encourage you, get some help. Uh, this is the coolest version of me that there has ever been. You know, I'm, I'm happier today, more confident today, more accomplished today than I've ever been. And every bit of that, every bit of it comes from the decision that I made almost 29 years ago to get clean and sober. And so you never know, the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel may be you. All right, uh, so Manscaped is here to help you too. Manscaped, uh, good people, solid people. Autumn is in the air. Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your own pumpkins. Grooming's important. Very, very important. And uh, by pumpkins, you know exactly what I mean by that. So we're going to keep it PG-13 here. In fact, Manscaped's on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your most intimate areas. And great news, they've released their products today in the UK, Canada, and Australia. And here's the bottom line is, I know people are kind of uncomfortable with this in the beginning, but uh, the bottom line is, this is kind of where we are now. You need, to, you need to do some male grooming. There's no point in being afraid of it. Let's not forget they got the best trimmer for all of your intimate areas. The lawnmower, that's right, the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. The new Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of your own, which is very, very frustrating. The Crop Care Kit includes the Crop Preserver. You got some deodorant for your intimate areas, and everyone knows pumpkin spice lattes and deodorant go hand-in-hand. Hand. The Crop Cleanser Body Wash, a full body wash that can, that can you can also use on your hair. The Crop Mop wipes for your intimate areas. You never know when an opportunity strikes. You should always be prepared. Plus, you don't want to stink when you're sitting around a Thanksgiving dinner table. Nobody wants that. If you suffer from stank foot, and some of you do, I'm telling you now, your friends won't tell you, I'm telling you, some of you have the stank foot. you got a product for you. It's called the Foot Duster. Foot deodorant. It's a free gift. 
The cooling tea tree oil offers a pleasant experience for the nastiest of feet and allows you to take your shoes off with confidence. Manscaped Refined Cologne is a cost-effective way to smell clean and freshen yourself for your date. The Crop Cleanser Hair and Body Wash was designed with aloe vera and sea salt to leave your skin feeling fresh, moisturized, and reinvigorated. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code BONEYARD. Make yourself a priority this fall, and ladies, maybe you're going to have to do it for yourself. Maybe you're going to have to do it for your man. Take matters into your own hands and go to manscaped.com and use promo code BONEYARD to get 20% off and free shipping. All right, a couple more things I want to talk about before we get out of here today. Uh, let's re- review the uh, the SEC real quick. We did we had a limited schedule, as you guys know, and uh, I think it's kind of important to kind of remember where we are in this thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams kind of like us that uh, aren't exactly where we want to be, and uh, you know we're kind of running out of games to get there. But uh, you know at this point, you know we'll kind of take what we can get. But um, looking at last week's scores, I was very surprised that Florida handled Georgia the way that they did. And so congratulations to uh, Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators. They, uh, they won a big game. So now Florida controls their own destiny in the SEC East to get to Atlanta. There's still some big games to play, and uh, it certainly is not above Dan Mullen to, to drop point rest ball games. So uh, it'll be interesting. And uh, Kirby Smart and Georgia's had a chance to win two big ball games. I've picked them to win them both. They've lost them both, Alabama and Florida. It's just it's interesting to me, you know. Kirby, in many ways, kind of gets a pass because you know Florida, Tennessee, and other teams in the East have kind of been down. But now with Florida rising to prominence, it makes you wonder, you know, if Dan Mullen gets to Atlanta this year, will they, you know, kind of wrestle away the momentum in the Florida Georgia rivalry? A and M crushes South Carolina, forty-eight to three. A and M clearly the second best team in the SEC West, uh, kind of living up to some of that preseason hype. And again, they're at the end of the town cycle, so they should. But it's crazy to think that even in their year, it won't be their year. And then Arkansas does what we expected them to do here on the show. They take care of Tennessee 24-13. I like Arkansas. I do. You know, some of their fans get on my nerves. But I like Sam Pittman. Uh, I like the fact that Felipe Franks is making the most of a second opportunity. I'm kind of pulling for Arkansas, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, when it's not advantageous for us, but uh, – you know, Sam Pittman's so dadgum likable. I mean, you know, how, how can I pull against that guy? Uh, they're doing a good job up there. We'll see what happens kind of going forward. I think some people maybe took them for granted a little bit this year. But uh, they're finding a way to win games. And uh, I know the people in Arkansas are, are awfully excited about uh, what's happened up there. I mean, I think there's no doubt they'll be in a ball game this year. Um, Tennessee, a lot of people were praising that Jeremy Pruitt hire. But, man, when they, they won, what, eight in a row? And now they've lost four in a row, four games in a row. And, uh, you know, the honeymoon is clearly over up in Knoxville. But, uh, you know, I don't know how you get to a situation. I don't know how you fire anybody this year unless it's Derek Mason. Or some people are thinking, well, Muschamp may be in trouble there. Uh, big ball game for them this weekend when they play I play Ole Miss. I don't know if they can score enough to run with Ole Miss. Mike Bubba's going to have to dial some things up. But, uh, you know, Tennessee, looking at them, you know, they host Texas A&M this week, then they go to Auburn, and then they get Vanderbilt, and then they host Florida. And so when you look at this thing realistically, they've got a chance really to win one of the next four. I don't see them going to win it at Auburn. I just don't think they've got enough offense. And so when you begin to kind of break this thing down, you know, Tennessee, this you know, they've got so many homers in the SEC media that are always, this is the year Tennessee takes a step. No, it's it's not. 
it's not the year Tennessee takes a step and they're staring three and seven right in the face. So what does that do for Phil Fulmer? I don't think he does anything this year, but I think Jeremy Pruitt is firmly on the hot seat last year. And it's so crazy to go back now and look at that 2018 SEC coaching class. You know the one where Chad Morris got hired to Arkansas? You know the one where Jim Moorhead got hired at Mississippi State and Jeremy Pruitt got hired at Tennessee? Well, none of those hires are working out, guys. Two of those guys are already gone. And another guy, if it wasn't the COVID year this year, would probably probably be on the hot seat. You know, that's the thing, too. We turned our season around for them last year. If State beats Tennessee last year in Knoxville, you know, Jim Moorhead's probably still here and, and Pruitt's probably gone. It's crazy how life works. Be that as it may, it's behind us now. And uh, so last week I was with Campus Bookmart down at Mistletoe Marketplace, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then left a ton of books. I guess about 60 signed books for them on Saturday, and they nearly sold them all. Uh, so thank you guys for turning out. It's such a cool place. Uh, Campus Bookmart, those people in many ways feel like family to me. And uh, I was there on Saturday and had so many Boneyard listeners come by, and we sold a bunch of books that day too. Uh, and so pre-game, even though it was not the crowd that we normally have for game day, you guys were still going into Campus Bookmart. And I had a lot of people that had said, you know, Steve, I had never shopped there. And so I heard you talk about it on the Boneyard. Uh, but listen, go by, check them out. Stand a man. Uh, Miss Kathy Brown, the, probably one of the best buyers uh, in the market. And then the lovely, talented Susie. They'll take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. And it's so interesting, too, that they remember so many of you that come in and say, hey, listen, I heard about you on the Boneyard because I'll get a text message from Kathy Brown or, or Stan the Man. They'll say, hey, listen, we had a Boneyard listener come in today. Uh, thank you so much for mentioning us on the show. And uh, I'm very glad to have them as a sponsor. But uh, if you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And this time of year, any money you can save doing some Christmas shopping uh, you want to do that. So we're happy to be able to do that for you. But uh, listen, everybody in the family wants some new Mississippi State gear. I'm just going, Mom, I'm telling you now, you can't go wrong ordering Mississippi State stuff. You can't. Bulldog fans, we're going to, because we know it's not about one season. This is a lifestyle for us. You go ahead and buy the maroon and white. We're going to wear it. And then after we beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, we're going to go order our victory shirts from Campus Bookmark. We're going to wear them all over town. That's right. You heard me. I, I said it. We're going to beat Ole Miss. All right, let's talk a little bit about um, what's ahead. You know, for those of you to kind of keep up with certain things with me, I'm not on the road this week, but I am doing a uh, Zoom call with the Winston County Library on Thursday, and you can contact them for more information. It's, uh, you know, they're going to have it all set up. And then on Friday, doing the same thing with the Octibaha County Library here in Starkville. So if you want to ask questions about the book or whatever, or get hair care tips, you can do that. And then on Saturday, the plan is uh, to be at the lodge. Uh, so for pregame. And, and, and it's, again, assuming we, that we play, uh, because, you know, any, anything, look, if, when these COVID tests come back, if, we, if state has had some new COVID test positives or some contract tracing and we drop below the 33-man threshold, or if we lose another lineman, then uh, that game's going to be postponed. And so it's, it's, and you need to understand that uh, we're kind of in a precarious situation right now. But, uh, but either way, I'll probably be at the lodge uh, on Saturday, and uh, I'll update you guys as we kind of move forward uh, with that. But um, the book's doing exceptionally well back on the, uh, 
Mississippi bestsellers list. And uh, I don't ever take that for granted. I, you know, I, maybe I did in the beginning because I, I, I guess I didn't know how many books there were out there that were in contention to be on that list. You know, I thought, well, maybe it's just a handful of books out right now. And maybe I'll just release my books at the right time. But uh, for the better part of three years, I've been on that bestseller list. And um, it's because of all of you. And uh, yeah, we did the work and we worked hard on all that stuff. And and it's a great story. But at the same time, too, it's uh, it's you guys that are out buying the books. And uh, if, if you're in Jackson, let me encourage you, go buy Lemuria Books. You can buy the book there. If you're in Vicksburg, go buy Lorelei Books. And she has it. Of course, Book Martin Cafe here in Starkville. Uh, Turnrow Books in Greenwood. And uh, listen, you know, get out and about. Go check them out. And I'm a big proponent of Mississippi's independent bookstores. Um, you know, these guys are a community you know, for you. And uh, I'm appreciative of everybody that carries the books. Uh, the Barnes and Noble people have been great to me. And so when you go out and buy the book, if you, on behalf of me, tell them thanks for carrying the book. Because uh, a lot of those people took a chance on me, you know, with Flim Flam and uh, as the first time author. And uh, of course, there were some people very unhappy about the book and they voiced their displeasure openly. And uh, some people were very cowardly and decided not to carry the book. But, uh, and just so you guys know too, some of those people have contacted about carrying the more recent books. And I'm really not interested in that. You know, it's like if if you doubted me then, why why should I kind of fund your uh, your situation now? I mean, it's just maybe that's bitter and maybe that's petty, but that's kind of how I feel. But uh, you know, the John Evans of the world and the Carolyn Abadies of the world uh, and the people Turn Road, the people that stood by me through all that stuff. Uh, I I want to send as much business their way as I possibly can, and so I encourage you. Rather than get on Amazon to go order books, and I don't even, Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, we did not stock Amazon this time. We did, we did it for Flim Flam, but we didn't do it because I don't want to take money out of our local vendors' pockets. I don't want, there are people that work in Mississippi selling these books. I want them to have job security. You know, Amazon's a huge company. I shop on Amazon when I can't find things locally, and there are some things that I, that I want that I can't find here. And so I'm, I'm kind of forced to go through Amazon. But uh, I'm a firm believer in eating local and shopping local, and especially now more than ever, uh, with uh, many of our Starkville vendors, you know, kind of struggling through this this whole quarantine thing. And but now it's fall, and now everybody's got to have Christmas presents anyway. So I'm going to encourage you, the Boneyard listener, to shop local, and not just in Starkville. You know, if you you get your Mississippi State gear from us up here, but other things that you need around town. Uh, many of those people have gift cards for you. They'll have online shopping, even in your own town. Shop local, eat local. Uh, I, I can't wait. Whenever I travel Mississippi, it's one of the things that I always do. And, and that's not to say that these national chains don't employ Mississippi State people. But I get out and I want to go to our great eateries around the state of Mississippi. Uh, you know, this is like Gibbs Grocery there in Learned, Mississippi. I would never would have known about that place. Uh, you know, the Crystal Grill there in Greenwood. I love going to those places. Uh, you know, Crescent City Grill in Hattiesburg. Those are the places when I'm out traveling that I can't wait to go eat. And it's so great. There's so many people, too, that they remember me. And they say, hey, it's so good to have you back. And I'm thinking, you know, listen, the pleasure is all mine because I get a chance to go put my feet under a great table at one of Mississippi's great restaurants and have a great quality meal. And I could have a good meal, but I want a great meal. When I'm out moving around, I want to get a great meal. And I know that I can do that at Mississippi's fine restaurants. So whenever you're out and about, I encourage you to do the same. If you're looking for a new place to live, 
and many of you are or you should be. Let me encourage you to give our friends at Portico an, an opportunity to serve you. Let me tell you a little about Portico. Uh, it's off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Cryford Jeep dealership right here in Starkville. It's just over a mile from campus. You can't, but listen, there's a lot of people selling property in Octibaha County, but they're not all within a mile of campus. Very easy access to Highway 82 and 25. And if you've been around Starkville on uh, move-in day, you're kind of happy to have uh, access to those highways pretty easy. There will be 51 houses total in this development with 18 houses in the first phase that are already nearing move-in condition. There'll be 33 houses in the second phase, and they'll begin construction on that after the turn of the year. Uh, there'll be 33 houses, as I mentioned, and it's like you kind of can kind of pick and choose a little bit right now. So I'd encourage you to kind of get out now before your options are somewhat limited. Houses are going to range from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, from two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. And uh, Diamond Dog Brooks Bryan, our friend, is one of the developers of this project. This is a guy that knows Starkville. This is a guy that loves Starkville. He would not bring anything other than the best of quality to a place like Starkville. If you'd like to speak to Brooks about possibly just kind of getting a tour and learning more about the Portico housing development, it's 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. And you may not know this, but uh, Brooks robbed a home run against the University of Washington in a regional that sent us to Omaha. And uh, I'm sure he'll tell you about it. It's, uh, it's one of those proudest moments for all of us. And so uh, I love doing business with Mississippi State people whenever I can. Brooke's certainly one of those. Let's talk a little recruiting before we get out of here. And again, I know it's a longer show, but I had a lot to say today. Uh, listen, recruiting right now is kind of where we are. I think, you know, we're kind of holding firm with what we have. Uh, we still got to go out and get one more, one more lineman. I suspect that'll be a high school offensive lineman. There are a lot of names in the mix. I would say a half dozen names right now that they're kind of working through. Probably needs to be a tackle, but you know in this offense that a lot of guys, they're basically you're playing four tackles on a center because you play in space. But uh, but it's one of those deals. You know, We're kind of approaching the end of the recruiting cycle. Uh, we're going to be signing papers here in about five weeks. Defensive line recruiting is the priority right now. I am feeling better and better about Ty Cooper out of Louisville. I think Mississippi State is in his heart, has been in his heart, but I think it's been a very difficult process for him because he has some people that he loves that is involved in his life that are big supporters of Ole Miss. And so it's a difficult situation because he is going to disappoint somebody that he cares about, no matter what he decides. Uh, I believe things are going to work out for Mississippi State. I think State has made him feel like a priority. And Ole Miss has too. He is the top defensive lineman in the state this year. And again, that's not saying a whole lot, but that's not to diminish his ability. I do think he is a very good player. But I'm feeling better about that. If I had to call it today, I would also say Jaden Jones out of Montgomery is probably in your class. What happens after that's kind of up for grabs. I think we got to go out and get us a corner. Uh, you know, I don't expect Cortez Eatman to stay in the class. You know, he's a guy that has kind of moved around. I guess he's with his third junior college now. Uh, and listen, there's a reason guys move around. And uh, I just don't think that Jihaw is well with us. And so, but as we kind of move forward, I think that you're going to see some big things happen. John Lewis, of course, of Germantown High School, is a guy that's kind of played his way into some big time offers, has State, Florida State. Uh, Ole Miss and others kind of sniffing around. But uh, the next few weeks are going to be awfully interesting, but it's going to be weird because we won't have any official visits. We don't have any game day visits. We're not going to have any in-home visits. Guys are going to have to depend on technology and uh, you know the research to do on, them, on their own because they're just not going to be able to get a vibe. 
you're not going to be able to come in and, and have the big party and come in and, and go to dinner and that sort of stuff and go to the coach's house. And, and uh, you, those experiences have been robbed from these kids by the COVID virus. And, and listen, it's a minor issue in the end when you look at it and say, you know what, these kids are getting to go, go to school for free. There are other people out there that are fighting for their lives, and that's 100% true. But uh, this group, their, uh, their recruiting process has certainly been diminished, and not just football, but in all sports. But that's kind of where we are now. And uh, running around, I guess we're in the high 20s right now. I guess, what, what are we, 27, 28 right now? Still got a chance to sign a top 25 class. And uh, it's it's rare that we've done that. It's like some people act like, oh, can Leach ever get a top 25? You know, Joe Joe struggled to do it. I think what Dan did it twice, three times maybe. You know, it's like we, we, we have not been a great recruiter over the years. We've been a great evaluator of talent and developer of talent. And that's what I expect to kind of happen moving forward. This is going to do it for today. We'll be back with you guys on Wednesday. If you're looking to buy books and uh, you don't have a bookstore in your neck of the woods that carries them, go to alphadogsthebook.com and you can order Flim Flam, Stark Villains, or Alpha Dogs. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and some of you guys have been, and thank you so much, go to starkvillains.com. You can get T-shirts, hoodies, and every kid wants hoodies. Mom, get them a maroon and white Stark Villains hoodie. The kids will love that. They'll love wearing it around school. And if you live in the area, you can get uh, those products in your school colors. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.